0: Hello, this is Chadwick Our episode today covers more topics than usual We will go into The Mandalorian Episode 6 As is normal for our podcast Then we'll jump into some general Star Wars discussion Specifically touch on the rise of Skywalker We curse a few times in this episode, but it's pretty light And without further ado, here's the show Hello, this is Chadwick, and you're here for another episode of Zick and Wick. I uh, believe this is episode 6. We'll be talking about Mandalorian, episode 6. And I've got some other topics, Zach, that maybe we should you know, cover at the end. Okay. General Disney stuff, Star Wars stuff. We are approaching the release of episode 9, and there's lots of stuff coming out in the news. And the hype isn't that high right now, but um, I'm kind of curious about that. But let's just jump right into The Mandalorian. This is episode six. I forget the name already. Do you know the name?
1: It is called, I just had it up. It is
0: called The Prisoner. This episode was a little bit on the longer side. It was almost 40 minutes. And just before I even start doing the rundown of the plot, it is the same thing we've been seeing over and over again. Mandalorian goes somewhere, he finds, he gets a job, he does it, and you know we we escape at the end. It's I'm almost, I'm a little frustrated because if I run through the plot and tell you exactly what happened in the story, it's gonna read just like a lot of what we've already seen. Um, yep, yep. this is the this is the first time where i I've, I've come out of an episode feeling kind of frustrated.
1: Yeah, I, I felt it a little bit last week. I definitely felt it this week. It's, um, it's almost feeling like the serial soap opera of the Mandalorian's adventures. It's not like we're not advancing the plot at, really at all anymore. It's just kind of
0: showing more of the same stuff each week. Go, coming into this week, seeing that there were new writers, you know, a exciting, exciting up and coming director that was going to be directing this episode. I totally anticipated it was going to be something different. There were bits and pieces that were different. It was more of a of a group heist in terms of story beats and what the objective of the episode was. It, it was a lot of the same. Even the baby Yoda stuff wasn't even wasn't even that cute or that. It didn't make up for the rest of the the lack of plot. Right.
1: Yeah. Um. I, yeah. Like you said, I I had a, as far as like kind of the setting. I mean. This was the first episode that wasn't, we didn't have that kind of the cinematography wow, looking at these landscapes. This was all just set in space or set in space stations. Um, So you really didn't even have that on this episode. Something pretty to look at. You were basically looking at a ship the whole time.
0: Yeah, I didn't even think about that. That's a good point. This was very bland and not exciting at all. Maybe that's why I was even more bored than usual. Yeah, I, th- I think that had a lot to do with it. <laughs> I, I don't think there's a whole lot of interesting bits um, to cover in here, but I'll try and get through it quickly as possible. Okay, so we escape from the last planet. Mandalorian lands his, the Razor's Crest on a, a random space station in space, um, getting some pirate scrapyard vibes. He meets up with a bearded fellow who recognizes him. He's pretty friendly. They have some background, so Mandy's definitely worked with him in the past. This guy gives Mandy a job. It's with a crew of four people in addition to Mandy, and they'll need to use the Racer's Crest. Mandy doesn't want to use the Racer's Crest, but he reluctantly agrees. They run into Bill Burr, and his character's name is is Mayfeld. Mayfeld is a very ornery guy, definitely has some...
1: So he doesn't, Bill Burr's character doesn't have any history with Mandy. He's a he's a new character for this, or a new um, person in the group since the Mandalorian was associated with these guys. But he is an ex, they kind of allude to it, he's an ex-Imperial. Um, so he's already, like, Mandalorian doesn't like Imperials, so it's already, they're already starting off on the bad foot. But, but the other guy, um, the one that, d- Rand knows him, the, the main, the old bearded guy knows him. And, and then the Twi'lek knows him, the, uh, the female. Um, I don't think the big guy, the Devaronian I don't think he knows him either. So the, he knows just the one character that's going to be on the crew.
0: Okay, so we meet the rest of the crew. Um, this consists of a droid named Zero. What's the name of the species? Twi-
1: Twi'lek. So they're yeah, they're pretty common species in throughout all Star Wars.
0: Yes, I, I recognize the species. I just didn't know the name. Her name is, I think it's Xian. Z- she clearly has some beef with Mandy in the past. As you mentioned, um, there's a bit of a change in the in the in the score. It, it, came, it became a little bit more heisty, but a little bit more fun. I thought we would take a shift in, in tone from melodrama to, to a fun caper heist, but that definitely didn't last. So the mission is to extract a prisoner from the New Republic prison. Zero is going to be the pilot. Mandy doesn't like this, but he reluctantly agrees. There's a bunch of back and forth with the group in the Razor's crest, making fun of Mandy for not showing his face. Mandy gets into a fight with Berg and accidentally opens a compartment with Baby Yoda. Nothing really happens here, but Mayfeld harasses Mandy about Baby Yoda it,
1: they Well, they end up arriving at the station, so that kind of interrupts the whole Baby
0: Yoda part. Yeah, and they just forget about it. I don't know if anyone... the Zero definitely is paying attention to Baby Yoda and saying, hey, I wonder what this thing is, if it's of any value. Nothing really comes of it. It doesn't really add to the plot. This is part of my frustration. Um, I thought something was going to happen with Baby Yoda where we'd pivot from trying to rescue this prisoner to uh, getting back on point with... The plot about Baby Yoda. But instead, we get onto the ship, this prison. We go into this long winded sequence where they're sneaking around the ship. It all looks the same, so it's not visually very interesting. There's a lot of infighting between the group, nothing of particular note. There's a bunch of droids, Many sneaks around the hallways, you know, kicks their ass. It's kind of fun, but honestly, kind of forgettable.
1: Yeah, one. It's almost like they can't the, the writers can't decide if Mandalorian's a badass or if he's just a normal fighter because there's some fights he's getting his butt kicked and then he goes against these droid and takes all out all four no problem and those guys just watch him do it. So it's a little kind of goes back and forth between episodes of how good he is.
0: Yeah, I agree with you because. There's times where he needs help to get out of a fight, and there's other times where he does a great job of, you know, taking care of a bunch of people quickly and easily. Mm -hmm. He he struggles a little bit with this, but he's never really at risk. Right. I feel like they're trying to make him seem like a brawler, more of a street fighter, Um, like he has some vulnerability, but he's not quite a superhero. But they yeah, keep bouncing and, back and forth.
1: Yeah, and he has a lot of they they do good they do a good job of showing that he has a lot, a lot of weapons at his disposal to uh, kind of take care of different targets. We haven't seen the um his I mean the, he wouldn't really be able to use it much in this episode, but we haven't really seen his rifle much in the last two episodes. He's kind of just hidden that away.
0: Okay, so Mandy takes out these droids. Um, it's not really a problem. It is interesting, but I've already forgotten all the bits and pieces, all the steps of the fight. Okay, um, and they, they go to this little section where there's a door, uh, a sensor goes off, and I think Zero tells them that there's an organic behind the door. Apparently, this place was supposed to be only manned by droids, and Mandy takes issue with fighting an organic, a human. And we th- definitely is showing Mandalorian has made it has had an arc and he is now a good guy Um, right yep he's a he's a good guy at heart but he still seems like he's stuck in
1: his previous regime of working with all these bad guys so he's trying to be a good guy in the mix of a bunch of bad guys
0: (laughs) so i was getting so frustrated with the episode that i stopped taking notes because it was so much of the of, of the same beats over and over again.
1: Yeah, I actually didn't even take notes. I wrote like after I was done, I wrote down a few like thoughts, but I didn't really take notes during the episode.
0: <laughs> so I don't even remember how I think uh Gian kills the, the the guard. Yeah, so you want me to explain yeah, that part?
1: Yeah, so they um they all kind of uh, Mandy doesn't want to kill the the guy. He wants to basically negotiate with this guy and say Hey, if if you don't if you don't work with us, these guys are going to kill you. But if you work with us, we're going to let you go. All we need is this one prisoner. Uh, Bill Burr doesn't like this. The Devaronian doesn't like this. The Twilek, she's just kind of sitting off in the corner doing nothing. And they end up all pointing their blasters at each other. Um, in the meanwhile, the, the the New Republic guy he has a, tr- a tracking fob that basically, when he pushes that button, it automatically tells New Republic forces to come come and basically attack that facility or come to his rescue or whatever so he's not pushing it he's not pushing it they get in their standoff it looks like everything's going to settle down and the twilight who's just the female Zion, just sitting off in the corner she ends up throwing one of her it's almost like a ninja star type uh type weapon and kills this killed the new republic guard as he's falling to the ground, he hits the button for the tracking device. Um, they don't notice it until a few seconds later, but then kind of yeah. all the chaos ensues. They know they really only have about 20 minutes to get the prisoner and get out of there before a bunch of New Republic people show up to, to cause, some, cause some havoc.
0: They get to the prisoner. They release a prisoner. prisoner's name is, is Quinn, or Kin, and it turns out Kin is, is Zion's brother,
1: yeah, this is this is where I think they could have done a much better job with the episode if it would have been a, a reveal that this was a prisoner that we knew. I think even if the plot didn't advance much, I think that reveal would have made up for the episode. I really think they missed a opportunity here.
0: Yeah, totally agree. They escape. And in the escape, I'm not going to go through each of the individual points, but Mandy encounters everybody in the crew. And has to fight them off. It is implied that he's killing them, um, and then Mandy escapes with just Kin. I think it's just Kin. Does anyone else escape with him? And Zero?
1: It's just I know Zero doesn't escape with him because um, as they're all going back, Zero is like basically hunting Baby Yoda, and as they get back in the ship, oh, yes. uh, Ma- Mandalorian catches them at the last second and blows him away.
0: Yeah, so there is one cute moment with Baby Yoda. Zero's chasing Baby Yoda around the ship, and he corners Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda raises his hand and you think he's gonna use the force to, to defend himself against Zero, and Mandy kills Ken. Or sorry, Mandy kills Zero. That is the one cute Baby Yoda moment of the episode. They take the razor's crest and they go back to the space station before the New Republic shows up at the prison. It's not clear whether or not Ken is alive or whether Mandy kills Ken, but it turns out that he brings Ken back alive. He collects a bounty from Ran, and it's clear as Mandy is about to board the ship that Ran is going to betray Mandy. He has a gunship that's going to shoot down Mandy as he leaves the space station. As Mandy takes off in the Razor's Crest, uh, we see that there is a beacon tied to Rand's, um, like his belt or his hand or something, and the New Republic is coming towards the space station.
1: Right. It was that and, same track. It was that same tracking fob that the uh, the guard activated at the very end. They Mandalorian just bought, brought it with him and put it on put it on Quinn while he wasn't paying attention.
0: And so the gunship is about to take off, and the New Republic X-Wings think that it's going to attack them. And you see the X-Wings uh, shooting at the space station. Leave it ambiguous whether or not they blow up the space station or if they just have a standoff. But clearly, Kin and Ran are they are not going to be able to hunt down Mandy or kill Mandy. You did notice the Easter egg in that, that scene, right? Oh, should I have recognized any of the, the pilots?
1: Yeah, you should have recognized it. Well, you should have recognized the first one definitely. The first, the first one was Dave Filoni. Oh, it was. Yeah, and then the other two were the two of the other directors. It was Deborah Chow and uh, Rick uh, uh, Famiyuma or Famiyima. I, oh, I, this I, episode. Yeah, so the three, the three, the three X-wing pilots were all directors for the series.
0: I didn't even notice it. Yeah.
1: So that was actually, I mean, it's as sad as it was. That was my favorite part of the episode. Was that little
0: kind of throw in right there yeah I, i'm not sure what they were doing with this episode i'm not going to get too negative here but bill burr his his personality and his character is just very it doesn't it didn't fit it didn't fit at all it doesn't fit at all that's who he is in real life that's who he is on, on stand-up just kind of standoffish and crude and mean unnecessarily like he doesn't want to make friends he's just trying to put people off yeah um
1: i thought the secondary this i thought the secondary actors in this episode were was probably the weakest point of it i didn't i didn't really care for any of that the crew i thought they were all kind of i thought thought they were all kind of weak i didn't i thought they were they were either overacting or they just looked unexperienced as much I mean, I don't like to criticize that too much, but it's just it didn't it it kind of took me out of the
0: episode a couple times. I have some theories on it. I don't know if I want to get into it, but it feels like they shoved this episode in there. It was wasn't written by uh, John Favreau or Filoni. Mm-hmm. It, it almost feels like they needed an extra episode or they wanted to give somebody a chance to do an episode on their own. but anyways. I don't really have any other other points other than to say, you know, a little frustrating. But, you know, again, these episodes are pretty short, so it's not something to you know belabor. But, yeah. you know, we, we, we were commenting on this last week, and it's kind of more the same this week. So hopefully things turn around. We have two episodes left, I think. Is that true?
1: I think, yeah, I think that's right. I think it's eight episodes total. Um, I believe, if I remember right, next week is... Wednesday, because they don't want to mess with this Rise of Skywalker release. If, oh, okay, that's true. I think, I think it might be a Wednesday episode next week.
0: Yes, Rise of Skywalker, episode 9, comes out a week from today. Mm-hmm. I've been avoiding the trailers.
1: You're a smart man.
0: I usually get pretty pumped for these Star Wars movies, but this one, I don't know if they're just... Maybe if, because I've been avoiding the trailers, my anticipation... And my excitement level is a little lower. How do you feel going into this movie compared to prior ones?
1: So I got a couple, a couple theories on that. I um, so I watch all the trailers, I watch all the clips, anything they release, I I just ingest it. I um, they released one yesterday. I won't go into it, but I was, uh, of course, I ate it up. But it was like, man, I really wish they wouldn't have sh- I really wish they wouldn't have showed that. I almost felt like they gave a little too much away on that. It was a. I think it was that clip they were putting into the Fortnite, some kind of advertisement thing. But I, I really, I felt like they showed way too much with it. I am excited from what I've seen. I like, I like that they're bringing the Emperor back. I like that they're, how they're kind of, they're teasing little things in the episode that we don't know, know about. Um, but my theory is, is because we do have, we've had all these episodes of Mandalorian, um, we've had Star Wars, we've kind of, filled up our star wars glass a little bit um you've had what six weeks of mandalorian to get ready for this and so it's like everybody's star wars quota is almost it hasn't been met but it's been filled up more than it nor- has been in the last four years
0: yeah it, that definitely plays into it there's not a lot of hunger it, it's the same concept behind why solo
1: did so poorly it was it was released five months after Last Jedi. So between Last Jedi being divisive and it being such a short time frame, people had already, they're like, oh, we're good with Star Wars. We don't need another, you know, we don't need another one right now. And it showed at the box office.
0: And I have another theory that kind of, not necessarily theory, but, you know, people talk about the MCU and how it, it, it succeeds versus other franchises or, or universes. With regards to, to Star Wars, what we're seeing... On Disney Plus and on TV, they don't directly tie into the movies. So when we leave The Mandalorian, we're not excited to see how Mandalorian ties or what how Rise of Skywalker amplifies what we're seeing on screen. It's just more, and right. So that's the downside of just getting hit with more and more Star Wars. Then not necessarily, it's not advancing the plot, it's not deepening the, the universe. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's just giving us more information. Yep. But it's not making the story more complicated or advancing the story that we're seeing in either the the the, the movies or, or what we're seeing on screen. Um so it I don't think a lot of people well actually a lot of folks are watching the Mandalorian order or at least are seeing some of the memes online, but I think it it's probably going to hurt the box office for The Rise of Skywalker. Yep, nice.
1: I, I, I agree with you. I think it will, too. Yeah, exactly what you said with the uh, MCU. You, you can't see the next one until you saw the previous one because even if they're set in totally different times, some they're somehow connected in it and it, and it advances the plot of the overall storyline, the overall arc um, somehow. With this, I mean, it would be a very pleasant surprise if there was some kind of connection between them. Like, if they if they release that episode on Wednesday and something crazy goes down and it's directly referenced in The Last Jedi, that's going to, I mean, Rise of Skywalker, that'll be great. But I, I really, I think that's a really s- slim chance of that. Um, there's other people, if you watch any kind of YouTube videos or listen to any kind of podcast, a lot of people really criticize Star Wars for this, where they have all this canon material between your TV shows, your cartoons, your movies, your books, your comics. But it's like when it gets to the movies, they just do whatever the heck they want. They don't really pay attention to any of that other stuff. So you don't really get rewarded as a fan who follows everything. For MCU, it's like, I mean, they really only have the movies, but you're rewarded every movie. I I don't feel that way with Star Wars.
0: Yeah. Actually, so last night I went to a... A live recording of a podcast I listened to. It's about movies and and screenwriting and storytelling. And Kevin Feige was there. It's just a reminder that Kevin Feige is the reason that the MCU is works as it does. The individual stories are great. That's the foundation. However, what what takes it from a 300 400 500 million dollar movie uh in terms of box office to billion dollar box office is making the entire story and the entire universe worthwhile and the payoff is is monumental
1: yep and I, i and i think i mean i could just be totally guessing here but i think the fact that kevin feige truly loves the source material he's a total nerd he's a total comic book nerd I think that's what does it for him. When you look at Star Wars, you got Kathleen Kennedy. She's a great producer. She's been on with Lucasfilm forever. I mean, back to Indiana Jones and the and the couple and the first Star Wars. But I don't think she's she never strikes you as that nerd who just loved the source material. Um, I think until she steps down and somebody like a John Favreau or a Dave Filoni, who's a true nerd at heart and and absolutely loves this stuff and just lives it um somebody like that takes over lucasfilm or at least takes over the uh the creative part of it how everything's going to move forward i i I think this is just how it's going to be
0: well i i I agree with you in part i think kathleen kennedy can kind of be the business person i don't think she should be the creative lead but i also think star wars is at a disadvantage as compared to marvel because Marvel's been around for a very long time, and they've had a lot of people writing for Marvel, the comics, and they've put out many iterations of all these comic books and all these characters. So they have a lot to draw from. And uh, you, you say and,
1: that, but there was, I mean, I know it's been around a lot longer, but they have all this Legends material that they kind of pick and choose from um, yeah. how they want to use it. So, I mean, Star Wars definitely doesn't have as much as as Marvel, but they do have some that they could use that they choose some some they choose to use and some they choose
0: to to, choose to totally ignore. Oh, I I agree with you. I agree with you there. The thing that I think is different is that a lot of the stuff that we have in the in the Legends and the expanded Star Wars universe, I think most of it goes backwards. So that's the trouble. A lot, the story that we're seeing in the movies, it's advancing forward in time, and it's ground. That, or, or am I wrong? Is there, yeah, no, been, there's
1: there's a lot of books that go after that. Like they had a, I don't know if you've heard of the Thrawn trilogy, but that was the trilogy that was supposed to be the episodes kind of seven, eight, nine, kind of a de facto seven, eight, nine. But they had all kinds of stuff that went hundred years into the future with like the the distant relatives of the Skywalker clan and. Palpatine came back as clones, and all this stuff that they may steal. I mean, it's out from what we've seen from the trailers and the material. It looks like they're stealing a little bit of that stuff from the from Legends. So it did. Yeah, they did a lot of old Republic stuff in Legends, also. But they also did go. I mean, they had a whole nother war. I think it was called the Yuuzhan Vong War. That there was a whole book series series of books on it. Um, but I mean, some of it was like, went totally off the deep end. Some of it was just like, don't even, don't even acknowledge it. But some of it was really good. Um, so they, they definitely had some stuff to pull from.
0: So going back to Kevin Feige, I think it was confirmed, but Feige is going to be leading up or helping produce some content for Star Wars. Is it just one movie or is it, is he going to be, yeah. That's what I read was one movie. Um, he was
1: basically gonna, he's kind of got a, a handshake in place to do one movie. Who knows if it stays that way? Who knows if it becomes a TV show or it becomes multiple things? But that's about
0: what he's going to do. Yeah, so that was brought up yesterday, but he didn't really touch on his role very much. He has a lot on his plate as it is. He's doing a great job. The one thing about Marvel, or the thing about Marvel that, that we're seeing as they venture into both TV, quote-unquote TV, streaming, and the features, is that the worlds will be directly connected. The characters will move between both the movies and Disney Plus shows when they reveal the phase, the new phase, and all the different shows and features that are going to come out. They're all part of the phase four. It's not separate things. One story will amplify another, Whereas with Star Wars, they're keeping everything separate and it doesn't, the wave isn't amplified. It's just their individual parts. So I I feel for Star Wars, it's nice that they can keep things separate so you don't have to be 100%, 200% committed to the entire story. Mm -hmm. But I, I feel like they don't yet know what to do in terms of direction. Yeah, that's it. They they have this kind of
1: treasure trove of stories and writers and people, but they, yeah, they just, they kind of, they kind of go all over the place. Like, I mean, the whole, we thought we were going to get a Star Wars movie every year with a, we were going to alternate between a main story and a Star Wars story, just some kind of spinoff. And but that lasted for two movies and you have one bomb and they say, oh, no, they're very reactionary. They're not. Like, Kevin Feige has all this stuff planned 10, 15 years in the future, or at least 10, 15 movies in the future, where Star Wars is kind of flying by the seat of their pants.
0: Yeah, and there's a, there's a lack of confidence in, in some of the uh, decisions being made with Star Wars. Right. I honestly think if they decided to to release Star Wars movies that were not part of the Skywalker saga, and they were smaller budgets, it would be fine. However, with the world that we live in now, everyone expects, you know, a movie to make a billion dollars if it's being released by Disney. Like if it doesn't make over five hundred million dollars, you know, there's people are disappointed. Yeah, um, it's a total failure. Yeah, it, but it, it may not, I don't even know if it's a financial failure, but it's still the expectation is that everything is um, the stakes are ridiculously high. Yep. And that's the consequences of, you know, their own making at Disney. Yep, you were absolutely right. Okay, um, that was, a, that was kind of a downer. I will still be seeing The Rise of Skywalker opening I've, night.
1: I've got my tickets for 7.30 next Thursday.
0: Oh, what time is I think mine is, don't talk to me, East Coaster. Yep. You better turn your phone off. Oh, you want to touch on... Have you seen some of the controversy? It's, it's, I think it's been inflated a bit, but some of the backlash or comments being made by the actors in Rise of Skywalker about The Last Jedi and how they're happy to see J.J. Abrams back and how... I think there's the media is kind of drumming up drama where there isn't really too much. Yeah. But my comment on all of this is There's controversy, there's drama, there is some exaggeration going on, but I don't really believe a whole lot of it. I think it's something that should be mostly ignored, but it goes to my point of people aren't excited. They're looking for – the media is looking for negativity, and they're not genuinely excited for this movie, and that makes me nervous.
1: Yeah, I – um. I mean they've been pumping out I think they've pumped I mean I remember them pumping out a ton of TV spots and all this all the stuff for last Jedi and Force Awakens it feels like way more for this and I think they're doing it just to try to like just get that last minute boost cuz I I don't think this one cracks 200 million I think it stays under I um I just it'll get I think it'll get close but it's kind of like you, you remember um what was it? The the Batman movie, the uh, Batman versus Superman. Mm-hmm. Like it was almost like artificial hype. You like, man, a, a movie. It was the first time we're seeing Batman and Superman in a movie together. This thing should this thing should do Avengers numbers at least. Um, and it didn't. It did like 165, but it was because for some reason people just weren't hyped for it. They're like the trailers didn't look great. They just I, I don't know what it was about that movie um it it's a little bit of the same feeling here for me it's a, it's a kind of a different reason but it's exactly what you said it's just the hype isn't there right now
0: so when you said it won't crack 200 are you talking about opening weekend numbers yeah yeah opening weekend
1: okay because I mean, uh, even last jedi i think it got so force awakens was around 242 i think last jedi was like 220 something
0: wow you um, have a very good memory yeah
1: um. and it's um well the force awakens had the record for a while till avengers destroyed it um but it was yeah then the last jedi did well but it didn't do as well and then it fell off a cliff yeah i so, the, really the what ha- needs to happen with this is it needs to be an awesome movie it needs to it it i don't think it's gonna do as good opening weekend it's gonna be around 190 or something but it needs to have legs and. It it all depends on the quality of the movie and if people like it and people tell their friends to go see it. And you get the repeat viewers.
0: So I just pulled it up. The Force Awakens opening weekend, domestic opening weekend, was 247.96. It ended up making 936, 937 million
1: domestically. I I think it has the record for domestic
0: and then international was 1.1 billion dollars for a total of 2.1 roughly billion dollars and the last jedi was much like much lower domestic was 620 million and international was 712 billion for a total of uh 1.33 billion in total box office Opening weekend for The Last Jedi was 220 million dollars. So I think your figure of what you say, 190 opening weekend, Mm -hmm. I I even I think it might go lower than that. It could.
1: Um, The reason I think it's um, the the thing it still has going for it is it is. It is Christmas break for kids. Um, It's a PG-13 movie, so kids are going to go see it. They're going to want to go see it multiple times. I I think it's still going to do pretty well. I mean, really, I think that's what killed Solo. It just was at a bad time. I think if you put it out in December, it might have not. I mean, it wasn't going to crack a billion, but it would have made a couple hundred, hundred million more just from the time frame.
0: Yeah, and you would think that, I don't know what the marketing's been like, you can tell me, but when they were marketing Endgame, it was talked about as the conclusion of this.
1: Yeah, they're doing the same thing. They're and they're, I mean, they're doing even more. They're they're taking the similar but different route. They're going a conclusion of forty years or forty five years worth of movies, basically.
0: I really haven't caught. Like, I don't get a sense that there's a whole lot of buzz. Normally, yeah. I would I would feel it from even people who are casual viewers of star wars i think the star wars buzz is not there i'm just preparing myself for a Uh, less than stellar box office for this i I will tell you though on this one it was
1: harder so the on the day that the online tickets went on sale it was harder to get tickets and tickets were selling out faster than they did for the last jedi Um, i would say it was almost on I mean, obviously, it's not going to make end game numbers, but it was like the speed that tickets were selling—at least the first day—was like it was end game numbers. But I mean, that's your hardcore fans going and going crazy the first
0: day. So, uh, who knows if that's a good barometer uh, or not? Okay, so the so Rise of Skywalker is currently tracking for an opening weekend of between 175 million and 200 million at the box office, okay, according they're to. They're- yes. So yeah, we're we're right on target. I I would I'm targeting a little bit below 190. I'd say 175 seems fair. I wanted to do better, obviously. I yep. just I don't feel it from my my friends. I don't feel it from uh, the outlets that I that I listen to. It doesn't yep. seem like it's going to be a huge huge uh, opening weekend. Yep. But I we'll think, see. Yeah, I think what
1: needs to happen it just needs to be a good solid movie and. That, that was the problem with the last Jedi is people went and saw it the, the first weekend and people were torn on it. And so it didn't have the good word of mouth where everybody that saw force awakens said, Oh, you got to go see this. I mean, it's just like the old star Wars. And I mean, it'd been a, a big layoff since the first one, but it didn't have the big drop off second weekend and third weekend that the last Jedi had this, this just needs to be a good movie that gets good publicity after it comes out.
0: Yep. So Zach, uh, you want to record an episode after the mandalorian drops on wednesday let me pull up my calendar while we're
1: live on the air uh let's see i wednesday is wide open for
0: me next week okay i can make it work i think a lot of folks will be taking vacation do you want to talk about maybe doing an episode the saturday or sunday to to about um rise of skywalker yeah, we can do it
1: Saturday. We can do it um, we can do it Friday. Friday. Um, yeah, okay.
0: we need to, we need to put spoiler alerts all over that sucker. Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Next week, Wednesday or Thursday, take a look at our new Mandalorian episode of Sick and Wick. And next week, let's say Saturday or Sunday, watch out for our new episode that's specifically covering Rise of Skywalker. I will probably have seen it a couple times by then. I'm sure Zach will have will as well. For Zach and myself, this has been Zick and Wick episode six. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next week.
1: All right. Have a good weekend, everybody. Have a good one.